You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! The Daily Music Business Podcast. The content of this episode of the Daily Music Business Podcast comes from a video on the YouTube channel of Outer Loop Group. Go to outerloop.group backslash YouTube to subscribe. For Outer Loop Coaching's free seven steps to getting signed PDF, please visit outerloopcoaching.com today. Let's dive in. Thank you guys all for joining. Greatly appreciate it. If I mispronounce a name, please yell at me immediately so I don't make the mistake twice. Uh, but uh, uh, I've got here uh, Mike Bowery from 10th Street Management. I've got Carl Hensel from Kings Road Merchandise, Ben Brennan from At Venue, Spencer Charnas from Ice Nine Kills and Cleaver Clothing, and Ian Dietrich from 10th Street Management as well, correct? Uh, thank you all for being here. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, we're going to be talking today about merchandise and just all the uh, – uh, yeah, how we can solve everybody's problems to drive revenue during a time when uh, touring has uh, gone ground to a halt. Uh, so, Ben, I was hoping we could begin with you, if you don't mind. Um, like, I'm sure you're always thinking in terms of short and medium and long-term strategies uh, for revenue generation for artists. What's your opinion on the short-term opportunities in merchandise right now? E-commerce. You know, um, you better have a damn good e-commerce strategy right now. Um, find creative ways to drive awareness, drive traffic. Um, you know, just chatting with everybody in and around the, specifically around the merchandise industry. It's, it's you know, we don't know. Like, there's just a lot, there's so much ambiguity as to when we're going to come back uh, to live events. And so buckling down and being ready for the long haul uh, merchandise is a critical revenue stream for all artists. I'd say, you know, if you didn't have an e-commerce game that was on point, it's time to definitely figure out who your right partners are going to be, uh, come up with interesting strategies. And it goes beyond just selling stuff online, but what are some interesting marketing initiatives that you guys can, you know, come up with and limited edition and exclusive offerings um, so that you can build awareness, drive traffic, and ultimately, you know, generate some revenue during this downtime. You're muted. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Carl, there we go. That seems to roll right into your wheelhouse. So like uh, live performances are almost a, like a pool model for uh, selling merch. And online has always been more of a, a push model where you, you know, there has to be some marketing and that sort of thing involved. Um, so is there a, a, a pool model or a soft sell or a, a marketing free merch model for online that works? I mean, I think each band is different. Um, you know, from our perspective, like all the marketing you can do. And, you know, I'm curious to hear, especially from Spencer and Mike and Ian too. Um, but 
so much marketing goes in, like so many people talk about marketing. So many people are like, okay, we got to do these good ads. We got to do these boosted ads. We got to do this on Facebook. We got to do this on Instagram. And that stuff definitely helps. But for us, over 50% of our traffic day in, day out is either Google organic. So people just going into Google, like band name t-shirt or uh, through our mailing list, you know? So customers we had already reached previously that, uh, you know, knock on wood, we didn't screw their order up and, and they're already in, they've, they've already bought from us, you know? And they've opted into the emails. Like we, we don't email people who obviously opt out. And uh, so for, for a lot of online merchandise, I, I would say it's probably about 50-50 in terms of push versus pull, you know? Um, the greatest motivator is somebody typing your band name into Google. They already have in their mind what they're looking for. You know, maybe they don't know what the actual design is, but they know like, I want to get a shirt for this band. Um, and I think right now, I mean, for the last two months, we're starting to change our strategies a little bit. We've gotten a little less trigger, you know, shy in terms of how do we announce, what do we announce, what's the best wording to announce it, you know, keeping in mind there's a, you know, global pandemic and borderline, you know, catastrophic Great Depression style unemployment crisis happening. How do you advertise band shirts, you know, in a way that doesn't make it seem like you're just totally tone deaf. And I think in a way, you know, for us, we've been pretty lucky in that every situation that we've promoted for the last two months has had some point or purpose that's relevant to the band. And, um, you know, I think all bets right now are kind of whatever we did, you know, April last year is totally different than what you would be doing now in terms of what's okay and what's um, the right marketing message, you know, cause I mean, we, you know, Spencer, you guys were on tour with Papa Roach and uh, that tour ended before it really got to hit the home stretch. So, there's a lot of bands that had excess merchandise in Europe. There was a pretty tasteful way to go live and go, Hey, this tour got canceled. We normally don't do this this soon, but people really did throw their support behind bands in a way that, you know, normally the joke, you know, with us is that tour merchandise, it's dead on arrival. You know I mean? It sells okay, but if it's got a tour date on it and you're not selling it at a tour, if somebody didn't go to that event, they're not going to care. You know, but then we had a lot of bands who didn't actually go on the road. So they didn't want to announce anything for a while because they had friends who lost tours. They had friends whose tours got canceled right before they started. And so I think that, you know, each situation, whether you're, whether you're really putting out this totally compelling line or whether you're just saying, hey, here's some shirts, here's what happened to us. Your support means more now than it ever has. Um, you know, and, and in a way, you just kind of have to do that to what feels right right now. I don't know that you can really predict any of the economic outcomes. Um, yeah. you know, cause they're changing so quickly anyway, but it's also just, you have to do in the same way, like you write a song that feels right as a, as a, as an artist, you have to sometimes just put a message out that feels right because it's not as simple as just like, Hey, here's a collage of merch on a, you know, square panel and Instagram come by. Like, I don't think that's, I don't think anybody's really going to give a damn about that right now. Spencer, can you talk about that? How has, how have you been messaging your merch and, and, and to your fans and uh, especially in, uh, in the wake of uh, having a success merch at the, uh, after an abbreviated tour, have you massaged your messaging in any way? Like what Carl's talking about. I think for us, it was a combination of, of doing business as usual and, and trying to always make an event out of our merch drops. You know, it's not just we're throwing up a shirt and a hoodie and check it out we developed uh, a system that for me was inspired by the Supreme business model. You know, I would be eating lunch on Fairfax and, and just see 
hundreds of people lined up the street waiting to go to Supreme. And, and I'm thinking, what, what, what the hell are they selling in there? I don't know, is it crack? I, I don't know what they're selling. And just did a little bit more research and realized that it's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's not, you know, rocket science. It's they're doing things where everything is limited and they've built a cult following around that. And that's really the business model that we adapted. Um, you know, we're fortunate in the sense that we really have a theme to our band and uh, it all revolves around horror and horror films and, and these recognizable characters and, and us putting our own spin on that. And uh, we, we developed this thing called Nightmare on the Ninth where it's a limited drop every month on the ninth and people collect them. You know, we, we, we were pretty regiment about not reprinting those designs. And if we do, they're on a different item and they're in a different way and, and never again online. And so we've really built up that demand. And uh, I always approach that stuff as a fan, you know, what did I want from my favorite bands or my favorite horror films growing up? And that's how we approach it. And as far as the, the pandemic and, and adapting to that, we definitely looked at what kind of items are going to be virtually useless to people. Like no one's going out to the beach really. And if you are, you're an idiot. If you're watching this, um, <laughs> um, you know, we're not going to be printing bathing suits. We're not going to be printing towels. No one's running out uh, to get it, get that kind of stuff during a pandemic. So we, we, we changed uh, some of the items, like instead of doing a bathing suit for summer, we did, a blanket that you know people would have around their house and I think approaching it in the sense that you have to know your audience and you have to know the climate in which you're you're selling in and also you, you got to be philanthropic too we definitely didn't want to just come out of the gates and say gimme 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 uh, because everyone is, is suffering now so we definitely did a few drops um, where we were donating the money to a various uh, you know, uh, pandemic relief funds, and uh, we, were, we were able to raise some money for the band members themselves and for the crew. And I think it's just, uh, it's a combination of, of knowing your audience, uh, making things feel collectible, and and also, you know, as you, not being tone deaf, you know, being able to support uh, people who are in more trouble than you are. Ian, I love what Spencer was talking about, about making every merch item an event. Uh, is, how is that something that you might use for some of your clients or you've done in the past? What, what, what kind of like, you know, does, it, does that spark a little spots off in your brain like it does for me when you hear that idea? It's the right idea. I mean, Spencer and Carl both have been 100% correct that if you're not making products that you know, create some sort of shock and awe and or the marketing that surrounds it creates some sort of shock and awe. You're not going to be noticed. You know, everybody's sitting at home currently scrolling through an innumerable amount of posts and, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ways to get at you, you know, whether it's Zoom or Instagram or whatever you're expected to do nowadays. If you're not creating items that are going to stand out and that also speak to your brand, you will fall by the wayside, unfortunately. Excellent. So when you talk about like items that stand out, is there anything product wise that for you is, is like what I'm surprised not every merch table's got this, you know? 
Um, you know, it's, it really varies from band to band. It's, we all, we all pretty much joke within our, our circles here, especially in the rock business that we're in the black t-shirt business. So, you know, that's the core item and you build from there. Um, as far as items that, you know, that every merch table, you know, should have, it's something that addresses your audience. It's your, it's something that you know, your audience, um, you know, your audience buys and you know, if it, it, it's really just about understanding what your brand is and then creating an item that speaks to that. Ben, uh, uh Mike, I got to get to you, uh, but I, I got to post this question to Ben. Real quick. <laughs> it seems like right up his wheelhouse. Like, like there's, there's gotta be a fine line between those items that fans are going to love. And so therefore we got to have them, but also those items that just have got such great margins that you gotta have them, even though you might sell less. Is there anything that you look at that just is like one of those like items that, uh, yeah, same sort of question. Like it's just the margin's so great and the that the opportunity's so good. And kind of to what Ian was saying, it really depends, I think, on the band, not to be ambiguous, but it depends on the band and the genre, you know? Um, and there, there are the, the black t-shirts like you know we just did a industry analysis for 2019 that highlights a lot of the we did 125,000 shows last year what does the data say and what's selling and what isn't selling your top grossing items and it doesn't matter what genre you are it's the t-shirt and it's a black t-shirt period you know and that's just what the that's what the fans are buying you know and, and beyond that it's the black t-shirt with the tour dates, right? It's your number one seller across the board. Um, and the top, you know, out of all the shows on the average, four items generate 75% of your gross merchandise. And, you know, those four items are t-shirts, you know, so you need to be strategic and smart about, you know, what it is. Now, you know, I always love to give an honorable mention to the koozie in the country genre, right? Because the koozie is the fifth or the, I think it's the third most selling item at the merch table. It's, you know, what, what do those things cost to make? Like, you know, 10 cents, you know, uh, for a koozie and you sell them for five bucks a pop. I'll take the $35 t-shirt, throw that in here. Here's two twenties and I'm out the door, you know? So, you know, for, for each genre, there are those, those trinkets and those elements, but you know, we've seen artists go out with these really unique, um, uh, uh, merchandise items that are specific to the band and they resonate with fans. And I think you can do that and make money doing that. And it's a cool item, but know that that's not necessarily where your margin is going to be. And you're not going to sell a ton of those things. Don't overdo it on that. And I think that's where e-commerce, you know, lends a lot of creative opportunity and exploration on like what, you know, we were talking about before about these specific items and, and doing these exclusive, um, it depends on the item, you know, it depends on the genre, you know, um, but not to, not to put all your eggs in that ba basket, be strategic with your merchandise line, know what the fans want, you know, um, because that's a really cool item that can sit on my shelf. But as a fan, I want to wear, that band t-shirt to school, you know, I want to, it becomes a part of my identity, you know? Um, so, so yeah, there's, but as we were saying, I think e-commerce, there's a, a bit more opportunity to be flexible and have limited runs and exclusive um, items for it. Mike, I know that like, you know, we, we've talked a lot about it. It's very specific to the band and there are things like, you know, a, a guy is not going to wear a picture of another guy's face on his shirt, but a woman will wear a guy's face on his shirt, you know, that sort of thing. So, like, 
that. How do you as a manager get strategic or just be really sensitive to not only great design and making sure that it aligns with an artist's brand, but also is something that will sell? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Thankfully, you know, the four others besides you and me are all guys when I'm helping, you know, in this case, Ice Nine Kills design their line is, you know, I talked to Ben about, you know, some of the broader picture global things that are happening for him. I talked to Ian who manages other clients at 10th Street and has a wealth of knowledge from working in the merchandise business, you know, before he entered the management game. I talked to Carl who I've known for a really long time who's had his ear to the ground and, you know, works with uh, bands in different genres. And so my job is to really take the data back um, to someone like Spencer and say, hey, look, this is the report that I'm getting, um, you know, from other people. And then, you know, let's see what we want to do with this. And, you know, part of the beauty is, uh, you know, it's really nice to know from a guy like Ben who's, uh, you know, said whatever, I think 125,000 shows that he can analyze and say, hey, 75% of the, of the business is done on t-shirts. Now we, of course, in Ice Nine Kills Camp, always like to think that we're the exception rather than the rule. And because Spencer's done such a good job of creating you know, this um, really dedicated fan base, that other 25%, we try to super serve with really unique items, right? With the idea that if we super serve them, they go and tell all their friends who then puts them into that pool of 75%. And as that pool, you know, expands, the overall numbers increase. But um, yeah, I mean, it's really helpful to just have these, these resources to, to collect. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.